Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm here with David again, David Gill. And um, today we have a few, um, I will say quick updates, but every time I say quick, then we end up talking for an hour. So we'll see how it goes today, but we definitely have a few topics that we wanted to discuss. And uh, just to give you um, give you all a few teasers, uh, we have Apple, obviously, it's been in the news the last couple of days since the announcement of the new uh, products for 2019 and beyond. And then we have Uber's fight uh, for their independent contractor status in California. We're also going to discuss Instagram one more time. And this is um, related to TikTok that we discussed uh, last week. Um, in addition to some comments on Slack, which is uh, an application that uh, David is very familiar with. or He actually likes it. We don't use it at our office, but uh, we're going to discuss pros and cons um, and how it's finding more and more competition for from bigger um, companies such as Microsoft and so forth. But let's just get started right away. David, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Good deal. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. And um, let's start with Apple. Since you are a big uh, Apple user, you have a watch, you have an iPhone, you have iPads, you have... I don't have, have iPads. I, I did the to. iPad well, years ago. I haven't, used, I haven't gotten any of the new iPads. Yeah, I have I'm my interested in the iPad Pro, but... Uh, I can't see myself using it as like a work computer that mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of pushing it as. Maybe if it gets better, we'll see. But anyways, the iPad, they did release a new iPad. I didn't see too much about that. Actually, I missed that part. It's of just the a little keynote. bigger. Uh, we'll get into that, but it's just, I think, like 8.9 versus 9.1 uh, inches and obviously better definition, retina display, super yeah. retina display now or something. Uh, but anyways, let's get started with um, the whole announcement. Obviously, there's tons of news about the Apple event that happened uh, two days ago for us, which is, I think, Tuesday this week, the 10th, right, of it uh, September. It was yeah. Tuesday. We're recording this on a Thursday. So everything is pretty fresh. Um, there's tons of uh, articles out there with summaries, but we just wanted to cover just a quick, a couple of quick things um, on the technology and maybe a little bit on the actual hardware. Um, let's just go quickly through the phones. They have the iPhone 11. And there's and the, like three versions. There's the 11 and the 11 Pro. Right. Well, and the 11 Pro Max, but the Pro, the Max is just bigger. Um, they had a, basically the, the big announcements were the new phones everybody's expecting. Then they announced the Series 5 Apple Watch, the new iPad. And was there anything else? The Apple TV Plus. The Apple TV Plus. That's and right. then some of uh, the arcade. The, uh, the arcade. They gaming. also came out with their little, do you see the Apple, I forget what they called it. It's like an Apple tile. Mm. Like uh, oh yeah 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 that it's, basically is like a little tracker is replacing the well not replacing but competing with the tile the yeah. famous uh, tracker device. but the, the main thing were the phones and the watch I would say and the Apple TV Plus so I've got to say uh, I like Apple I don't I don't use Macs I actually do use Windows for work but as far as everything else I do have I have the Series Four watch that came out last year iPhone ten I actually I didn't get the ten S I didn't see the need but I've got to say. I'm kind of a little disappointed. Um, <laughs> I was interested in the new watch. I just got the the four last year, so I wasn't planning on upgrading to the five unless it had some really crazy new features. And I gotta say, especially on the watch, I'm really disappointed. I mean, really, they, they it has always on, which a lot of people have been uh, wanting. So instead of having to raise your wrist to turn it on, it's just always on, but in a little dim mode. Me personally, I don't get why people want always on so much. Um, because I think actually it's pretty cool when you see people with an Apple Watch. 
that is off. It's like a black screen until they I actually mean, activate if it. I need to look at my watch. I'm obviously going to raise my wrist and it's on. Uh, but a lot of people, have, I've been hearing it for years that they want always on but watch. Is that an option or it's just like... No, it has never been an option. This one finally will. They figured out the battery life. Basically, when your raise, wrist isn't raised, it's just going to be a little dimmer. Um, they talked about the battery technology and the screen, blah, 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 how they conserve battery life. But anyways, it's going to be always on. To me personally, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, if I've never had a, a time, the only time they said that it's advantageous that I do agree is if you're doing something like um, um, exercise related where you kind of, I do agree, sometimes it's annoying. You have to like raise your wrist to check things. That's the only time, but for everyday use, I don't need but always isn't that on. Like, like I have the with the iPhone 10, you had this thing when you raise your phone and it turns on to the screen. And I turned that off because I, I didn't want the, my phone to be on. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I like that. I mean, you like that? But you have to swipe for Face ID. Yeah. When when I um with my phone, I turned that off. So when I touch the screen, like I tap it, it turns on. Oh. Okay. But it doesn't on. No, no, because I mean, I'm moving with my phone in my hand all the time. It's always on and always off and all that stuff. And uh, I just didn't like that feature. I think it's unnecessary use of battery I like it on the phone but on the watch I don't need it to always be on mm -hmm. I raise my wrist it turns on I don't have a problem but the uh, that was really the biggest new feature they're releasing ceramic editions and a titanium which is like okay cool whatever not a big deal that's but as far as features hardware that plus compass there's a compass on it now so like if you're walking on apple maps in direct in a direction like you know how on your phone has the mm -hmm. little arrow yeah. now it does the same thing on the watch it didn't do that before um a couple small things but that's about it the one that i was looking forward to that i said hmm that would be something i'm interested in was sleep tracking the current mm -hmm. watch doesn't do sleep tracking the new one that was rumored it would it doesn't. They no sleep tracking, which is a big disappointment to me. Is that supposed to be a software upgrade, or that's something that hardware is to be? Involved? I think it was a hardware upgrade. Basically, but, the but new do, five. Do have, um, uh, I use a third-party app, but I stopped using it because I just didn't think it was super accurate. It's it's. That's what I read. Even even, not just the watch, but I also read that uh, the uh, like the aura ring and all that stuff. Yeah. Some of them are not very. Um, the aura ring is pretty accurate. good. The aura ring is pretty good, but I don't want a ring. I I prefer a watch. And I don't need a second device. I was hoping that the Apple Watch, I don't really know why it couldn't do the sleep tracking because it takes your vitals, it does EKG, it, it can t detect your movement. So I don't understand what the big uh, technological leap is needed there to do sleep tracking as well. But that was a rumored feature and it was, and basically they didn't announce it. So that's kind of disappointing for me. That would be, if I were to upgrade, that would be one of the main reasons because I like to track all my health stuff. That's one of the biggest things that I like about the watch and sleep is the biggest thing that I don't track. Um, and that would have been something I like to track. But anyways, really, other than the always on and a compass app. I guess the only good news is that your watch now is much cheaper for everybody. Uh, it's down to 350 from 400. Not a big drop. Oh, I thought which one is the one that is the three? Oh, the three is down went down to 199, which is a okay. very good deal. I mean, yeah. the three and the four, there's not a huge amount of differences. Uh, the three is still a really good watch, and for 199, if you never had a smartwatch, mm -hmm. uh, it's a definitely a good entry point for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was disappointed in the watch, and then the phones. We can talk about the phones. So you know, I probably like a lot of people do the you know buy one year, skip one year. Uh, some people skip two years. So I have the iPhone 10, um, not the 10s that came out last year. And I was planning, depending on the new features, I said, okay, I'll probably upgrade this year to the 11 or 11 Pro, whatever. 
I don't know that I'm going to because my phone is still in pretty good shape. I mean, the battery life is normally what goes first. My 10 still has really good battery life. I haven't cracked the screen or anything. I don't know. I mean, yeah. You have a 10. Are you planning on upgrading? No, I, I um, not really. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I think you and I got our 10s about the same time or slightly different, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my 10. I mean, I, I honestly, you know, I'm kind of getting tired of all these new phones having a better camera, a triple camera, this and that. I'm not a big camera yeah. user. I mean, I use the camera for certain things, but it's not like I'm, I'm not a photographer. Yeah, I've got to say, like, when I, because I remember when I got the 10 and it had the 4K video, it was the first iPhone, mm-hmm. and I was blown away. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. The 10 has a great camera. I don't really need the 11 Pro. Right. You know, right. like, I, I mean, it's, it's like, beautiful it's like that become, it has three lenses. Everybody's becoming a professional photographer with, you know, zoom capabilities and this and action shots and this. I mean, I my phone is an extension of my computer. I I rely more on my phone these days because I'm always on the go and I can check my emails. I can go to the internet. I can downstream things. I can listen to music, podcasts, everything. And I worry to be fast. That's the main thing for me. Yeah. I want a phone that is fast. That is not waiting forever. But that's to the thing. The 10 is pretty fast. And, and Exactly. Exactly. So the 10 to me, I mean, I, I use I it know when they... I work out. I use it when I do this and that. There's tons of apps that are very useful. I'm not a big fan of apps just for the heck of it. I mean, I have the ones that I actually use. And uh, when the new phone is just uh, basically more cameras and maybe better display, all the, that stuff. The, to me, actually, for the 11 Pro, the bigger attraction... Uh, it, it, the problem for me is that I the one thing that I would like from because I have the ten is a bigger screen. Um, so if I were to get one, I'd probably get the eleven Pro Max. But of course, that's the most expensive one. So that's why I'm like, ah, eh, I don't know. But the thing that I like about the eleven Pro or the eleven Pro Max is the display is pretty kick ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's OLED just like the ten. The eleven regular is an LCD, so it's not an OLED. Um, which basically means you're not going to have the black blacks where mm-hmm. it's basically the screen, the pixels are off. Right, the contrast. Um, mm-hmm. And then it has uh, HDR retina, I think is what they called it. But basically it has a better color range, better blacks, better uh, brightness. It has even, it's even more bright. That's the bigger thing that I like about the 11 Pro. It has a really, really good screen. Um more than the camera. I mean, the camera on the 10 is great. The only thing that I like actually about the new camera is just the night mode. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the only thing. That that's the, the only the main feature. Bad. Yeah. But I don't need a telephoto lens. I mean, it's nice. Wide like, angle telephoto, yeah. triple cameras, all this. It's it's nice, but it's not something that's gonna, I'm not a professional photographer. And plus, you know, if I wanna be a professional photographer, we have real cameras. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to if I need to do a real shoot for something, we have real cameras. I don't need the phone. You know, right. like to me there's just not an enticing enough to, for to for me to go out and spend another well, thousand bucks. Well, the only the only thing that I was a little surprised about is that they actually did not increase the price or I mean you and I yeah, were listening I, to the presentation and I, then thinking oh my god this phone is going to we be like $1500 and I <laughs> joked to you I said because they were talking about all the new features of the A13 chip and blah blah yeah, blah yeah, the, yeah. with the 11 Pro Max and I said oh yeah and it's going to be $1500 like I joked it was 1000 and then 1100 for the Pro Max the 11 is 599 yeah which is it starts up yeah I mean that is Remarkable for iPhone. I mean, five ninety nine, basically six hundred bucks. That's cheap for mm-hmm. an iPhone. I'm surprised they went that low, but maybe it's because they know that a lot of people aren't going to upgrade if it was eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have guessed it would probably be eight hundred, and the Pro would be a thousand plus, and it was only six hundred. 
interesting to me. Very yeah. interesting. But now they also have three sizes because before they had well, two. It's slightly different sizes between the three phones, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's another another little detail, you know, that before they had the normal and the plus or the... The, the main reason I would say, uh, besides the camera, it, to get the 11 Pro is if you're a big f mobile gamer. I'm not sure how big the mobile gaming industry is for the... You know, there's kind of two types of gamers. There's the casual and the dedicated, whatever you want to call it. And this phone, if you're more of a dedicated gamer, quote unquote, would be better because it has a new GPU, new CPU, very fast, big, beautiful display. They showed demos of running pretty decent looking games on it. Um, but the problem is the casual gamer is the person who plays like Candy Crush and mm -hmm. Words with Friends and those type. You don't need a monster phone for to run those apps. Right. The dedicated type gamer is going to have a console or yeah, play on their PC. I don't know if they're going to want to play on mobile. That's kind of the disconnect. Now, maybe things are changing. Maybe mobile gaming will grow f so the more uh, uh, hardcore gamer base goes into mobile. But so far, I haven't really seen that. Hardcore gamers have their consoles, have their PCs. They like to play on a more immersive experience, dedicated gaming experience. I don't know, maybe maybe with technology. Obviously, phones were always limited in their technology, so they couldn't really run high-quality games. So maybe there will be a shift. But that will be the only reason, besides the camera, to get the new phone if you're a big gamer on mobile. I don't think that is, is a very huge yeah, market, though. Yeah, but that's though. a small audience. All right, so let's move on, since we don't play games here anyway. So, But on the business side... I'm a little worried about Apple's future prospects. I mean, they're not going anywhere. They're fine. They have a ton of 200 plus billion dollars in cash. I think people who talk doom and gloom are exaggerating. But as far as their growth prospects, I mean, they're a trillion dollar company. It's hard to grow when you're well, a trillion well, let me, dollar company. Let me ask you this. We just, they just also announced Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Which basically is $4.99. I think yeah, $4.99 a month for their own streaming video service. I think it's going to be not meaningful to apple because Ooh, i don't know 599 if they get 10 million people to sign up for 60 bucks a year that's nothing that's nothing to them it's just money that they didn't have now but they're trying to get more people into their ecosystem which is what all these companies are trying to do like for the amazons the googles the uh, apples and so just, forth so i think I, with the competition though with with I mean Netflix is already obviously the incumbent at this point and Disney Plus is coming out which has way way more content and way more valuable known IP Apple is developing all its own stuff and they're paying a ton of money to Oprah and big name people to develop stuff for Apple but as far as known established IP Disney has way more of that I don't know the thing is that it's cheap. It's five bucks a month. Yeah, but the so, other thing that I think it has an advantage over Disney Plus and so forth is that Apple will be available um, in over 100 countries. So they're much more global. I mean, I'm sure Disney is going to be available. I don't know. Too. I don't Disney know is a pretty a, global company. It is a global company, but I'm not sure the streaming service is, is available. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I need to look into that, but I'm not sure if... Uh, I know Netflix obviously has global accounts and has international accounts and all that stuff, but uh, I'm not sure if people will sign up and pay from Germany, Disney Plus, or whatever, worse, uh, people that have um, Apple devices in general all over the world, 
including the 100 countries where uh, Apple TV Plus will be available or the subscription service will be available. So you were saying like 10 million people subscribe. I think it's going to be much more or many more than 10 million people when you consider 100 countries. You know, So I think that will be a, a significant revenue addition for Apple that will probably compensate for you know, the hardware revenue that may not be where but, people expect. I mean, say they get 20 million people. Okay, that's a lot for a new streaming service. Say they get 20 million people at 60 bucks a year. That's 1.2 billion. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But for Apple, that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. They do over, they do what two hundred something billion or three hundred billion in well, revenue. Well, but it's something if if they think that That's, may not be selling so many iPhones or to, so many to account for one percent of their current revenues, they would have to get what thirty million, forty million subscribers. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that nobody is going to subscribe to it. I'm saying that I don't think it's going to have a meaningful contribution to their growth. That's my point. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, the key will be original programming. That's how you get more subscribers when you have something that nobody else can offer. See, they're going to just limit it to movies and things like that. It's, it's not going to happen. But apparently they're having like morning shows. So they're going to have their own, um, you know, TV network style programming with uh, talk shows and personalities. They, they're talking about Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, you know, things like that. So that will attract um, a number of viewers that, you know, like uh, Disney will not have or or you know Netflix unless you get a movie because Netflix is not into shows they are basically all into streaming content you know so you mean live shows live shows exactly yeah. so if Apple TV gets into a little bit of a uh, daily programming like talk shows and morning shows and things like that that could be uh, a nice thing a nice addition to their to their repertoire yeah maybe I don't know I just think that for Apple uh I feel like they're getting into the content business because they're like, oh, shoot, we need to keep adding new business lines so that our investors stay happy. But I don't know. I mean, they're investing. What was the number? Five billion or six billion? Mm -hmm. I mean, at five dollars a month, basically sixty dollars a year, you're going to have to get a lot of damn subscribers to make that money back. If you're putting in six billion a year, that means you need a hundred million subscribers. That's how many Netflix has or close to a little less. Yeah, but you look at the customer lifetime value in these cases, and you don't expect everybody to... I mean, when you make that kind of investment, it's, it's not so much, you know, where you're expecting the first year return. You you basically say, okay, these, these customers are going to be with us. I mean, look at Netflix. I mean, Netflix is growth. I mean, people that sign up for Netflix usually stay with Netflix unless something else gets better, which we noticed some decrease in Netflix subscribers when Disney Plus came with their own programming, and then they're taking programming or content away from Netflix. So, but if Apple TV comes with their own content and you like like it, it's like the, the old wars between like morning shows between good morning america the today shows and all that stuff there was huge and ratings wars between those two those programs you know morning tv and uh they were getting all these high personality anchors and all that stuff just to earn or to win the uh, the morning audience so if apple tv comes with their own shows that are unique with people that actually pull audience like the jennifer anistons and stuff like that you know so i, I think they have a they have some potential there, but you know, I mean, Apple is not um, a rookie in the arena, so I'm sure they're they're doing. They things are like in they... the content arena. Uh, They've never maybe. done content before. That's my question. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, they have a ton of cash. They got to spend it somehow. So if they want to go into the content world, fine. But uh, the thing that's disappointing is they've spent 
tens of billions on R&D and really have nothing to show for it. I mean, the best product they've come with in the last five years is the AirPods. I love the AirPods, but it's just a pair of better headphones. You know, like, where are the AR glasses? Where's the car that they've been talking about for years? I think they had a good opportunity to get into the TV, physical TV market, and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Where are all those R&D dollars going? How do you spend tens of billions and have no products to show for it? Well, I think I think they will probably come down the pipeline. But uh, like the AirPods, are, are example, they uh, they announced. Uh, yeah, and that's another one that they delayed. Yeah, I mean, I was I personally, my AirPods are kind of taking a crap on me. The battery life is going to zero. I've had them for like two years now, and uh, the new ones are supposed to be noise canceling. So I said, okay, well, maybe I'll hold out. And now they say, well, we're going to delay them till next year. So that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's easy to criticize, obviously. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm a big Apple fan, obviously. I buy a lot of I their I just products. think that also people expect so much more from Apple every time. And, and it's just... I just... It's when hard you to, spend uh, $20 billion on R&D, you expect something to show for it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where did that money go? To adding a third lens? Is that where well, it went? Well, no. I mean, they also improved like their... I mean, the iOS uh, 13, which we haven't discussed yet is going to have some significant improvements over the current operating systems and uh, including maps and things like that. So um, I'm not sure exactly when the iOS 13 will be available. Um, it's available in beta, I think, but I'm not sure when it'll be uh, But I mean, they are, they are investing quite a bit on things. It'll be like pre-AR features and maps will going to be significantly improved. Um, I've been talking about Apple and AR for a couple of years, and I get it that the hardware isn't there yet, but if Apple doesn't win AR, it'll be a massive failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people, and that's why I think they're trying to make it like perfect, you know, from the get go, as opposed to a little gimmicky thing that other people have tried and then it failed. You know, uh, they don't want to be like, even even with uh, like glasses and things like that. I mean, I mean, Google has had a monumental failure with their. Google glasses, and then they had to take them off the market. So I, I think, think they were too early. I yeah, think. exactly. But that was the thing. So Apple doesn't want to make the same mistake, and they want to have something that is classy, stylish. Yeah, and but if you remember, the, fir- the first iPhone didn't do a whole lot either. Yeah, but when they came with the AirPods, remember, it was like, oh my God, look at this guy with the AirPods, like little white things in his ear and yeah. all that stuff. It was like a little stylish. No, thing. Apple is definitely known for Design. waiting longer than most companies mm-hmm. to make a better user experience rather than just being the first. Right. So we'll see. All right. So quickly, um, the Apple Arcade, any comments on that since you are um, more of a gamer? I'm not much of a gamer these days. I don't have time for games. But um, if there's good mobile games, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think the disconnect is that I don't think hardcore gamers really are looking to play on the phone. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think a dedicated hardcore gamer is going to want to play on console or on PC not on a phone. The casual gamer already has their casual games on the phone. So we'll see. Maybe they shift the gaming arena a little bit. But right now, again, I don't think that's going to be some meaningful, massive, multi-billion dollar revenue stream for them. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. So enough of Apple. There's there's going to be much more news um, everywhere. If you follow Verge or TechCrunch or any of these uh, sources, they have tons of reviews and guys that do a very good job with it. So I, I definitely suggest that you watch a few, a few of those videos. I'm sure you follow them already and they do very, very um, intensive reviews of the actual devices and they tell you everything, you know, there's pros and cons. So I, like I said, I'm not super impressed. I Also, I don't need a phone. So it's like I can 
definitely wait another another year, maybe, unless I crack my, my screen or something. But that's a big deal because, I mean, right. I'm someone who used to pretty religiously every other year buy a new one. And this year, ah, I don't know. Maybe I'll wait till next year. We'll yeah. see. If I crack my screen, okay, fine, I'll get a new one. But I haven't cracked my screen. Battery is still good. That's a a big monetary loss mm -hmm. for Apple. And if mm -hmm. it's if me times, you know, 2 million people decide that, that's a big deal for Apple. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears. Uh, no pun intended. We're going to discuss Uber now, transportation. And um, this is something that we like to follow. Obviously, we're, we're much into um, um, shared driving economy. I wouldn't say it's so much Uber, more just the legislation. The it legislation. Well, it's affecting... Uh, I mean, Uber is being on the news more than anybody else, but uh, it's also uh, Lyft and, and DoorDash and some of the companies basically that are described as a gig economy. Um, the issue is the California legislation, or is actually a thing called AB5 for um, Assembly Bill Number Five, which basically is trying to classify. It's been for years actually classifying Uber drivers or Lyft um, as um, employees rather than independent contractors, and obviously that has major ramifications on employee laws and benefits and so forth. And then Uber is fighting that, saying no, our our drivers are independent contractors and so forth. So uh, California just passed the first step into into approving that uh, legislation, saying actually that uh, as of January 1st, they will be officially classified as uh, employees. And to which Uber said, nope. Yeah. Well, Uber said they don't care. Yeah. They said we're a marketplace, so they're not employees. Right. So they are defiant and uh, they're basically saying... We don't care. I mean, yeah, California can do whatever they want and classify the employees or contractors or whatever they want to do because they basically say they don't. it doesn't affect us. We're not that. We're just a platform, right. we're just a marketplace, and um, no different than eBay or whatever. Right. That's that. We talked a little before the podcast, and I said that what Uber's claiming, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I don't think they're 100% right. But basically, they're saying that we're no different than like eBay. We basically provide a marketplace for drivers and riders. So just like someone who sells something on eBay isn't an employee of eBay, someone who sells their driving services on Uber isn't an employee of Uber. Right. But the difference and the dispute is that, again, you go to the eBay example, eBay provides the platform, but then leaves the negotiation between right. the buyer and the, the seller. Biggest, <coughs> the biggest <coughs> contingent point is the pricing. Drivers don't set the price. Right. That's the biggest case you have against Uber. Exactly. I think everything else is in Uber's favor. Drivers pick their hours, they can pick their days. They use if their they, own car. They can quit at any time, they use their own car, exactly. Right, and they're free to work for, I mean, many Uber drivers, as you know, they, they, they yeah. work for Lots Uber or Lyft, or they do DoorDash, right. or they do they'll this, be, they're, I mean, they're completely independent as right. far as picking their workplace. I, I, I know plenty of college kids who drive for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates. They do whatever's making more money at that mm -hmm. moment. Or even Amazon delivery. So, so yeah, that, that way is, is very clear. And, and this is something that has been happening for a while. I mean, California always kind of leads this kind of uh, push towards classifying independent contractors as employees for these types of services. And I remember we, or, or MGR as a company, we were actually involved uh, with Super Shuttle, one of our clients, uh, when they basically had a similar situation with California where they were claiming that <clears throat> their drivers, the van, the blue van, 
drivers were also employees versus independent contractors. So Super Shuttle wanted to basically defend the big their difference case. there, though. Just so everybody knows, Super Shuttle is uh, back in. I mean, they still exist it's a now. Right, transportation system. Basically, this. If, I mean, if you've seen the blue Super Shuttle vans, mm -hmm. they just. It's basically. It's kind of like Uber Pool type of thing. Um, and but the key difference there is they had the Super Shuttle branding on the vans and they wore the uniforms. So that was why the case was a little more. But in this case, it's your own car, it's your own, you drive any hours, and I'm gonna say, and maybe there'll be people upset with me, but I think this is bad legislation. And especially when I get where, where legislators are coming from, I get the argument, but I think that they're wrong. I think that uh, workers should have the right to choose where and when they want to work without having to become an employee and should have that independence. Um, the problem is, you know, and I was reading, you know, articles about this in preparation and there were quotes from, you know, some of the legislators saying, our job is to protect the workers. But I think you're hurting the workers, not helping them. Well, I mean, the workers are actually the ones uh, demonstrating on the streets and stuff in California. Right, but, uh, and it's funny because I actually took a ride um, what did I go? It was just last week, I think, and I uh, took a ride with an Uber driver, and uh, it was a lady, nice lady, and she was telling me that she was obviously aware of all these complaints and demonstrations in California with the Uber driver saying that they're, they wanted to be employees sometimes, and they wanted to have the benefits and all that stuff. And she was actually totally opposed to that. She exactly. Said, I think she most said, are she said, opposed to I don't to want it. to do that stuff. I said, I like the fact that I'm... Uh, she was a very well-educated lady. And she says, you know, I do this because I get bored at home. My husband is always traveling and blah, 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 and all that stuff. My kids are grown. They're in college and this. And I decided to drive. And it gets me to know people and chat and drive around. And But I don't want to be tied to be an employee with, with I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to be free, you know. And she right. says, and they start turning it on and off. And I if, just do whatever I want. The problem is, if you make them employees, it just changes the whole dynamic. Um, and And... Uber drivers, in my experience, not just Uber, Lyft, Postmates, whatever, uh, when when I talk to them, most of them, they do it because they like their independence. They can choose their mm -hmm. hours, choose their day if they don't want to do it today. They even choose the areas they want to be driving around. Right, and most of them, I mean, some people do it full-time, but a lot of them are doing it on the side of school, on the doing it on the side of work, trying to, you know, a lot of them, uh, there's actually a lot of business professionals that will leave work because they need to go back to school to learn something, but in the meantime, they're driving on the side for Uber at night, whatever. You know, it gives people independence. I don't understand this constant, like, I don't think it's the government's uh, job or I don't think the government should be involved in telling people what they can and can't do with their uh, bodies, basically. But see, usually <laughs> this is not even a federal government issue. It's usually a state. Right, uh, but obviously in this case, California is a major market. Understood, but California may say that, and then Arizona may not even uh, have the same law or many other states. So it's like uh, you start separating some states. Are You are Uber driving in California. You're considered a, an employee versus you are in Arizona. You're an independent contractor. I mean, that that's just makes everything much more confusing, you know. But in addition to that, Uber and Lyft actually are, are proposing a new battle, like I think you and I were saying too, about this third uh, classification yes. between I think uh, this being, is the being employee or independent contractor, which is the two current classifications for people that work. And you earn either W2 income or 1099 income. And now with the, you know, quote unquote gig economy, they're trying to come up with a third one where you have people that can enjoy certain benefits but still have their own independence as far as being contractors. Yeah, and I think, because where do you draw the line? Because it's really, 
we have you know we live in i mean i don't i think the gig economy quote unquote is a little overrated i don't think everybody's going to be a gig worker in the future but i think there will be a lot there already are but and it will grow just because it's it's a great opportunity for people to get either a secondary income or have it as their primary income, but they get to be completely independent. But where do you draw the line? Like I was discussing with you earlier, okay, so an Uber driver is an employee, but then is a Fiverr uh, person, an employee of Fiverr now, is someone who goes on Upwork or Odesk or any of these uh, freelance sites, uh, are they an employee of that site now? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know, in those cases, it might be a little more difficult to govern just because majority of those contractors like the Fibers and the Odesk, are, many of them are international. Okay, so, yeah, but there's also a ton in the U.S. Yeah, so what do you do you're with discriminating. The, you're, making, you're treating the U.S. guys one way and the, right, and the but Indonesian guys a different way. What's, what's the difference? Because, uh, I mean, if I hire a freelance uh, developer to work on something for me from some site, they're not an employee of that site, and they can. Most of them are on multiple sites. Okay, it's no different. If you are an Uber driver, most of them have multiple Lyft, Uber Eats. Obviously, that's Uber too. But DoorDash, Postmates, whatever. What's the difference? That's that's my question. And I just think that when you start limiting people's independence, that's always a bad thing. I think you should just give people the freedom to choose what they want to do with work. If it's not advantageous, people are not stupid. If they're not making money, they're gonna find another gig. You know, that's how it works. And if they don't make, if, if Uber doesn't pay them enough, especially nowadays with such low unemployment rate, it's pretty easy to get a job at any minimum wage place. Like the argument that they say, oh, they make less than minimum wage. That's totally not true at all. If they were making less than minimum wage, you think they would still drive? No. Right, right. So, so uh, in, your, in your opinion, the, the argument from, from Uber saying that they are not a ride providing platform, they're more of a marketplace. And it's going to hurt the consumer because rides are going to get more expensive. If they have to start paying every driver uh, full salary and benefits, okay, well, that money has to come from somewhere. So the prices of the rides are going to go up now. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, I think it hurts the workers, it hurts Uber, and it hurts the consumer. So why are we doing this? That's my question. Yeah, well, because the states don't care about that. They just want to get more revenues. Uh, yeah. That's, that's but, but like I, like we were saying, I think the solution is um, creating a, a third type of worker classification. Well, that's what Uber Gig and Lyft are doing. They're just spending combined $60 million, which is another point because they <clears throat> both of these companies are losing money every quarter, massive amount of right. money. And now they're spending $60 million in trying to uh, get a ballot for the next, uh, uh, you know, approved to have a third classification for, for these kinds of workers, like gig economy type things, you know. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, like, again, I mean, many people are, are wondering, and this, when, when this comes into effect on January 1st, um, you know, Uber is saying that they don't care because it's not, it doesn't apply to them. The California state says, yes, it does apply to you, and if you don't do it, you will be having hefty fines. And then Uber says, well, if we have fines, we're going to basically go to court and dispute it again. So all these legal fees, money and all that stuff is like, it's not like they are very affluent, you know. Obviously, they are used to lawsuits and they've been through a few. Yeah. But this is coming at a great expense when, when a company is trying to come afloat and they're yeah. already losing but a billion dollars them, a quarter. Uh, LA and San Francisco are two massive markets for them. So losing them is probably worth a lot more than than the legal fees that they're going to have to pay mm -hmm. that's why they're doing it but to me the my my primary uh 
argument or point. And I get why they're doing this. Their, their goal is to protect the worker. Really, I think it's also for tax reasons too, but they will never admit that. The main reason is because they want to quote unquote protect the worker, but because they don't want a company like Uber to take advantage of drivers. But in the gig economy world, the beauty is that the reason why it's so great is gig workers have a ton of options. And when you have competition, someone who's taking advantage of people, people are going to stop working for well, that I mean, one for and one, work for if, others. If you become an employee, if, if California forces or establishes this in, on January 1st that an Uber driver is an employee of Uber or Twitter is an employee, guess what? That driver... If he's one of those that is the many of those that are uh, sharing between Uber and Lyft, which more and more drivers are doing that these days, you see them with both stickers and platforms and everything else, they're going to have to pick one because they obviously will not be able to work for both. And, and uh, you know, right now when Uber has a driver that is driving also for Lyft, they p pretty much just look the other way and, and the other way around. Uh, Lyft, that's the same thing because they obviously cannot impose or tell the driver what to do. But... When that happens, it's like that same driver is going to say, okay, now I'm an employee of Uber and I'm driving X amount of rides per week or per day or whatever, but then I'm not going to drive for Lyft or pick Lyft and not drive for Uber. So I, I think you take the freedom away from employees or for your contractors and your drivers and there's much more, uh, there, there are consequences there that I, I don't think people realize, even the drivers, because there's, I mean, the drivers are, the Uber drivers are, or Lyft drivers are demonstrating in California to asking for their rights, but, but I don't think they, I they think, fully understand. But I'm always questionable about protests because it's always yeah. a very small amount of people that are very right. vocal. They make up the I noise. think, I, I guarantee you, if you were to go, uh, if Uber were to do this, on the, on the Uber app, do a little poll, that says, do you want to be an employee with benefits or whatever? But then it means, first of all, we're probably going to have to lay off a bunch of you um, because we can't afford all of you. Second of all, you have to work on our hours when we tell you. all. You gave them all the things that's going to come with being an employee. I bet you if you took a poll, the majority of Uber drivers would say, no, I don't want to. Yeah, but at the same time, like now that California has passed the first uh, approval process of legislation, um, there's already a class action suit from one particular driver that has already sued Uber, and then everybody's That's fine. joining. There's always in, people looking stuff. for money. Exactly, exactly. But I'm talking about the real issue here. And like I said, I think it's the, the nice thing about the gig economy is it's very hard to get away with taking advantage of workers because they have so many options. So if you're taking advantage of them, they can just go to Lyft or they can just go to Postmates or DoorDash. And that's at that level. It's the same reason if, why are there so many different freelance sites? If one of the freelance sites is gouging people, guess what? The freelancers are going to go to the other freelance sites. That's my point. When you have competition and options, you can't get away with mm -hmm. taking advantage of the worker, which is the biggest thing. And I'm saying, I don't think any workers are getting taken advantage of. That's the point. They're actually getting a good opportunity that did not exist previously. Mm -hmm. And now you're gonna take that away because you're worried that someone could potentially take advantage of them. I think that's wrong. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's move over to, uh, or move on to um, Instagram. And uh, we, we talked last week, I think it was, about TikTok as the new, uh, or fairly new uh, social media platform that is uh, growing very fast. And uh, lo and behold, I just read earlier, I think it was late last night or earlier this morning too, that uh, Instagram is now trying to copy some of the features of uh, TikTok, which color me surprised. Surprise. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Now uh, TikTok is becoming the new Snapchat. You invent and uh, Facebook slash Instagram copies whatever works and then lets you fail miserably with the things that don't work. 
So, do you know much about that? I mean, I, I obviously I know mean, a little I, bit. I, it's fairly new. I but. read up on it. I saw some of the reports, and it looks like Instagram uh, executives or whoever went to their engineers and say, say, hey, see all these features that TikTok has? Here, download the TikTok app real quick. See how this works? See how you can make these clips and add music and do this? And, and share and, yeah. and join and okay. all that stuff. Do that on Instagram. And that's what they did. They just copied uh, it. Just it, like they do with stories. I mean, they, we've seen it before. We'll see it again. I mean, that's this, this, the world of software is the advantage is the profit margins are massive, okay? It costs nothing to make a copy of a file and distribute it. There's basically zero distribution costs versus the physical world. The disadvantages in the physical world, you can have patents and protections that are much more uh, real. It's very, very hard to protect features. Very hard. Uh, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Yeah, but I mean, it's gonna be a way for these other platforms. I mean, Instagram, or Facebook and Twitter to a certain extent and YouTube for sure, uh, they've grown so big and so massive as far as users that they really, and they have so much money too as far as being able to develop their own tools that it's, it's, become to a, it's, it's come to a point where they're almost just waiting for somebody else to invent and they just copy with a slight variation. Because I mean, I don't know what, what, what Facebook has done lately that is purely a Facebook feature that hasn't been an the only thing they've done or, is the libra coin and that doesn't yeah, look which like is it's probably happen. not even going to happen but in the social media oh arena, which by the way was a copy of ethereum but yeah anyways okay yeah we, we talked about that but um as far as the social media features i mean they came with facebook live okay well there were other live platforms out there before um twitter acquired one um, then the stories, as you said, they were pretty much were made Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat success. was big because of filters and stories, mm -hmm. and Instagram copied both. Right. So, so uh, if you are an investor developer, do you have any incentive on coming up with a new social media platform, knowing that? I, I mean, well, uh, I'll take this TikTok side. Um, and again, we talked last week. I'm not pro TikTok, not because I think the platform itself is bad. I think it's fine. It's just that because it's Chinese owned and Chinese government has the Chinese Communist Party has an office in their headquarters. That worries me a little bit. But uh, on the side of TikTok, the thing is they do they have hit critical mass. They have over 500 million users. They're growing really quickly. I don't know how quickly Instagram is going to roll out these features. Even when they roll it out initially, I'm sure it won't be as good and as polished as TikTok. When they first rolled out stories, it did take a little bit before they, they kind of figured it out. And then they were able to beat Snapchat. IGTV is taking quite a while too. IGTV has been kind of a failure. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a guaranteed success. And TikTok has grown a ton and is kind of becoming more known. Basically, I think if you ask most people now, have you heard of TikTok? I feel like a lot of people have. They might not be a user, but at least they know about TikTok, um, which wasn't true six months ago. So they're kind of hitting that critical mass a little bit. That's the advantage. It's, it's network effects. I mean, that's what social media networks thrive on. That's why Instagram and Facebook have such an advantage because they have 2.7 billion combined users. Mm -hmm. But if TikTok now, this is just if you're an investor or TikTok itself, you need to be 
all resources ahead, double the marketing budget, double whatever, you got to go. Because if if you, we, ha we saw this with Snapchat. I mean, you can see the chart of Snapchat users versus Instagram stories users. And it's literally Snapchat growing, 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 Instagram comes out, and then all of a sudden, right, within a year, point. Instagram triples mm -hmm. Snapchat's users. It's incredible. Right. No, and, yeah. So does. they need to, TikTok needs to move fast if they want to compete. Right. Because, I mean, even Facebook TV or Facebook video, what is it called? Facebook uh, Watch. Facebook Watch, right. Um, they try to be a second platform to YouTube, and YouTube still dominates completely on the video. Yeah, the video Facebook side. Watch. I, the, their problem is that they haven't gotten creators on there. Uh, they have a bunch of exclusive content that they pay for, but they haven't gotten any YouTube people mm -hmm. to move. And that's the biggest challenge because right. YouTube is... So, I mean, those are examples of, of Facebook trying to copy something <clears throat> and not working well. But in that case, they're, they were actually the smaller one. Mm -hmm. They exactly. were the new one, basically trying to fight YouTube, which has, what, 2 billion users now? Mm -hmm. So... I don't know, uh, but I right, and and then you also have Google trying to copy Facebook with Google Plus and all that stuff, and also failed miserably. They they did capture a lot of data from people while it existed, but then they decided to just uh, shut it down. So between the big guys, people choose sides, and they are ready in one way or the other. But um, um, I think the smaller platforms that come up, if they are successful they get swallowed right away as far as their features. And I think um, there's a limited number of users out there. I mean, Facebook is pretty much maxed out and then as the, they start offering internet access to people in Africa and countries and all that stuff because the, the developed world population is already on Facebook or not by choice. And then obviously in certain countries like China, Russia, whatever, they're, they're banned, so they're not gonna grow there. So I think it's just a matter of uh, where do you find more people? You know, on attracting people that are, and how do you not lose people? Right. This is more of a defensive thing because TikTok could be a threat to Instagram. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a threat uh, because they don't do pictures. But if they added pictures, well, but it's, maybe it's, it's could everything. Be. I mean, people only have so much time to spend on on social media, right? Platforms. Or so you decide to do a TikTok video versus posting on Instagram that affects your right, daily it, users, advertising money, and everything. If you, a a lot of it is not just total users, but it's usage uh, rate or right. day time spent. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden Instagram goes from it's, 40... It's engagement, right? Right. If they go from the average user spending 30, 40 minutes a day, say it's 40, and then they go down to 30, that 10 minutes a day is a big deal. That's a lot right. of ad revenue that they're mm -hmm. losing now. Yeah, exactly. All right, and then also on a side side news, um, obviously we, we we already know that uh, Instagram started to test hiding likes from some of the posts, and uh, apparently it worked well. They did they did a test in Canada and some other yeah uh, Canada countries. and a few other places. And apparently now they're even thinking Facebook is even thinking about doing something similar on Facebook. Um, just obviously the owner of the account will still be able to see the the results and the likes and all the stuff, but. Uh, they're trying to avoid this kind of competition. To and see. now there's rumors that Twitter might do it too. Right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. But I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. I get it. I get the point. People shouldn't be obsessed with likes. Um, I don't know. I feel like the, the, it's like once the cat's out of the bag, can you really stop people from liking things and sharing things? And Well, I mean, that ties into a next topic, which is the, uh, the fake followers and all that stuff. I mean, Instagram has a huge 
I mean, obviously, all the platforms I've had in the past, even YouTube and Facebook and all that, but Instagram specifically, because of all the influencer marketing, they have a huge issue with fake accounts, fake followers, or uh, followers that are not really followers. I mean, there's there's tons of uh, writing these days about that, and it's becoming uh, a multi-billion dollar problem now, because frankly, there's ad agencies out there that don't know or don't do the research, and they are selling influencer marketing to their clients which is completely fake and that is a fraud like you wouldn't believe it and there's platforms out there that allow you to find out if an account or a pretended influencer is fake or not um and obviously to do a thorough research it takes time and that's why most of the agencies probably don't do it and they they have influencers that are not really influencers that are just fake and they have number of followers that are fake, but it's becoming more and more difficult to detect those because they are using very sophisticated techniques. Yes, but at the same time, I've seen a lot more um, software and companies come out that are specifically dedicated to figuring out fake followers. I just saw one the other day that it seemed pretty good. I forgot the name of it. We can maybe put it in the show notes, but um, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you're always going to have, it's no different than kind of cybersecurity. You're going to have hackers and then you're going to have cybersecurity companies that fight the hackers. It's always going to be kind of that battle. And I think it's the same with fake followers. You're going to have fake followers, but then you're going to have software that detects the fake followers. And then, but it's not just the fake followers, it's the fake um, uh, engagement. Because you have these this, um, comment pods and, and engagement pods. I mean, they're actually advertised, which tells you basically, I mean, to, to, for people that don't know what it is, is, I mean, you can be in a group, in a WhatsApp group, and then you belong, you, you belong to this engagement pod or, or, you know, comment pod or whatever they call it, and then you have a thousand users that belong to that pod. So that, what that means is that when you post something, everybody in that group, in that Instagram, I'm sorry, in that WhatsApp group or whatever they communicate, they get a notification. And they have about five minutes to react and go to the post that one person from the group posted and like it, make a comment, put a smiley face, fantastic, this and that. And if you don't do it within the five minutes, they kick you out of the pot. So basically, you need to be active. And by the same token, when you post, everybody else is doing the same thing. So this is a massive thing because people may belong to four, five, six, seven pods and get like automatically. And you know very well the algorithm is made so if you get a reply or a engagement of some sort within the first what five ten minutes the f- you are the first ranking, 10 minutes is crucial exactly you rank much higher in the algorithms which means that you keep moving up so when you have all these fake pods or fake engagements that, that actually probably real users but they just belong to this kind of club where they get feedback right away you know yeah you're gonna say look i put something and then within the next 10 minutes like 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 comments this and that but it's totally fake. From what I've seen, I mean, Instagram isn't stupid. They know about this. They know about and that. They're, they're doing nothing. In fact, no, I've heard they're cracking they, down. They do something every now and then, and then they lay back again and do, let it go. In fact, there's actually Facebook groups that are for these things, which is the most ironic thing. There's Facebook groups that are for engagement bots. And Facebook is like, okay, well, it's a group. We don't know what they're doing, whatever. Yeah, they, you know what they're doing. They They actually... You know, they can't really act too much because they're benefiting from the result of this situation. It's a complete fraud. It's funny because I, I highly recommend that people read this book by um, um, Trey um, Ratcliffe. I, I'll put the, is Trey Ratcliffe? Yeah, R-A-T-C-L-I-F-F. And the book has a long name. It's basically 
um, how to fake your way into getting rich on Instagram. And he actually he's a famous photographer, very famous. Um, and he's also an influencer. And uh, you, you guys can follow him. I'll put his uh, his uh, handle too on uh, on the show notes. But uh, basically, he actually did a full test, and he himself created a fake account. Uh, he was able to grow it to hundreds of thousands of followers as a travel influencer. And he had his real account and the fake account. He actually met with fake influencers. He started kind of asking questions like, you know, they get invited to all these big resorts and they take the pictures and they put the pictures and other stuff. And he was talking to people that he knew for fact were actually fake influencers. People that were, uh, I mean, you can see the growth. And before you just buy 10,000 followers and they're all fake and you see your, your chart shows, oh, you went from zero to 10,000 in, in one month. Okay. That's fake. Nobody goes like that. But now the algorithms are actually getting better and they increase like 50 a day, 50 a day. So it's much more difficult to detect if that follower growth is fake or real. However, you can detect it because there's like, I mean, there's, it's much more difficult. That's why the agencies don't even go that extra step because when people reply, you see that replies are like, um, standard cookie cutter replies, like emoji face with a thumbs right. up or things. I mean, they're I've like actually very, heard that Instagram uh is is um their algorithm if you just have like a bunch of emoji replies that it doesn't count that as highly as if someone writes like a full sentence right. and if you write less than like three words it's not as valuable as a full sentence exactly that of course instagram is doing that but guess what the the robot answers are doing that too you can actually program replies and random replies that says include username plus great job keep it up or blah 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 i mean and then you can tell because you have some of them use the same service and you have 10, 20 replies that are exactly the same from different robots, you know, but, but those algorithms and those robots are actually trained to always beat Instagram rules. If you see only two smiley faces and now Instagram changes and say, okay, if it's just emojis, but no words, we don't consider that valuable, then, okay, we're going to put three, four words that are very generic, wonderful, fantastic. You look great, uh, great picture, whatever, you know? So, I mean, it's something that we really, I'm amazed because I actually know people, I mean, everybody knows, I mean, you, you see people, friends, uh, companies, even, even institutions, resorts that have all these followers. And you can tell that whoever did it, maybe just because they were trying to grow their account fast or something, they, they have a bunch of fake followers, but if they sell those things to advertisers, influencers, then they get a reality check, you know, but at the same, but at the same time, Instagram doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make it easy when they say, okay, certain features from Instagram that we want to use are only available for accounts that have at least 10,000 followers. Okay, well, I, it's very hard to get 10,000 followers organically for any medium business. I mean, you're a major institution, hotel, resort, uh, company, whatever, maybe it's easier, but if you're just a small operation that honestly just posts every day, it's very hard to get 10,000 followers. And by the but by not having ten thousand followers, you're fo- you're missing out on a bunch of features like swipe ups and things and links from your stories and without things like paying, that. yeah, without paying, exactly, yeah. You have a paid advertiser, yeah, you can do that, right? But that's what. Well, well, then don't what, confuse. Where is, my, where is the solution for the small business? I pay. have to tell the business that's what they want you to do. Pay. Because well, yeah, they want you to pay, but are you going to pay for advertisers or are you going to pay for fake followers? So no. you say, okay, now I have ten thousand, now I can get that. They want you to. Because having fake followers on a business account is worthless. Why do you need that? You want real followers. Well, if you just know, it's good just for the fact that you can have, if you have like 10,000 followers and 
1,000 are real and 9,000 are fakes or whatever. At least you have the 1,000 that can benefit from you being able to swipe up and link here and all these other features. That's true. But like, okay, I'll give you a perfect example of how Instagram manipulates for sure. When you create a business account versus a personal account, the organic reach is much less. That's been proven. They actually say a hack for businesses, don't create a business account, just make a personal account and use your business name because your engagement and your organic reach will be much higher. That's that's a truth because if you're a business, they say, okay, personal people are probably not going to spend money on ads to promote their account unless they're unless it's an extreme case. But a business obviously will spend money on ads. No, I understand. So that's but what they just, do. The, it, to me, when I see contradictions, when when I see that the system is provoking or incentivizing um, fake rules or fake engagement, to me, that's the first problem. You know, if if you are basically having a system where you require a certain number of why why discriminate in saying you need ten thousand followers to be able to do X Y Z or whatever, uh, what's the benefit? Yeah, they want you to pay. Okay, well, if I want to pay, it's because I'm trying to reach people that I don't already don't already follow me. It's the, it's the same thing with Facebook advertising or any other form of advertising. But people that know you, you don't need to advertise. They already know your brand. Either they like you, or they don't. If they like you, they buy from you. They don't. They don't right, buy but from the you. same thing happens on Facebook. But the advertising is to reach new customers. There's people. I mean, I mean, we have clients who have hundred thousand plus likes on Facebook, and they don't reach anybody I, exactly. because Facebook wants you to pay to reach them. You know? Yeah, the organic reach is down to like one, two percent. Right, and that's what I'm saying. That's why they literally have ads that says pay to promote this to your audience. It's like. What do you mean? They're my audience. Shouldn't they? Shouldn't I be able to reach them for free? Well, we understand that they're in the money-making business. I have no problem with that. It's the same thing with with Google, and we discussed the paid advertising on Google, how they decrease the, uh, you know, the, the organic reach versus the paid advertising, the real estate on the home pages and all that stuff. I mean, all the first page of results, and and that's understandable. But social media platforms, if if a person decides to follow you, they would expect to see on their timeline or that's what I'm information saying. That's what I'm you. saying. On, on, on Facebook, they literally have prompts that say, promote this to reach your audience, saying even though you have 100,000 likes on your Facebook page, none of them are going to see your stuff unless you pay for it. I think that's kind of messed up. What incentive do people have to getting likes on their Facebook page if, it's, doesn't, if it isn't worth anything? So, so why at the same time they're not policing thoroughly like they should uh, the fact that a lot of companies are paying big money to influencers and other forms of advertising based on f followers that Facebook should be able or Instagram should be able to filter out and say, wait a minute, you're paying for fake shit. Well, okay, I if think, I go to a supermarket and I, I think buy something, one I expect is, the supermarket to give me food that is real and not a box that is yes, empty. Yes, but in that case, you're paying the supermarket. When you pay an influencer, Instagram doesn't get a dime. Yeah, but I'm using a platform that is approved. That influencer is basically but using But they don't a make money from influencers. They make money from the advertising that influencers use. No, but if you do an influencer deal, but you're paying I, the I influencer. Know, I don't know how you're, you can defend that because... No, what real, I'm saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that they don't necessarily have a huge incentive because it they don't make money from influencers. Okay, so by that, by that token, I mean, by that exp example, if I'm on a sports team and I have a guy that is faking whether it's using some performance enhancing drug or something then that means that the nfl or the nba or whatever that is basically providing the platform for all these teams to play uh they don't make money just because these guys are doing drugs and having a performance enhancing uh substance and performing better than the rest of the people and they shouldn't be involved i mean that just doesn't make any sense 
You know, I mean, if Facebook is providing the platform where those influencers are buying fake members or their platform or engaging in a f activity that is is actually banned by the rules, by their terms and conditions. Right, of course, and it's banned. And they are not policing to you, a point if you where get they caught, can actually ban shut down the accounts. They do. I mean, okay, they, they, do. they shut down account because you they censor them, as we you and I have discussed for you know, being a sexual orientation or making this comment or whatever, but they're not looking into the fake account situation saying, okay, you basically acquired 10,000 followers in two weeks and not, we can now prove that any of these people are real or you're using illegal ways to engage people. Therefore, we're not going to allow your account. I wouldn't allow you to basically steal money from companies pretending that you're an influencer where you have nothing. I mean, seriously. I mean, they, they have to be accountable. They cannot just look the other way. Yes. They, they have fraud happening on their platform. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is that their incentives are misaligned because they want you to buy their ads, not pay the influencers. Because when you buy their ads, they verify that, that you're getting real impressions. Okay, so when you get impressions on on Instagram through an Instagram ad, those are real people. If you buy through influencers, they don't get a dime of that. So they say, okay, do it at your own risk. That's why I think they haven't gone after it as much as they probably should have. That's that's what I think. I'm not I, saying I, you're wrong. I'm saying that's I why. I understand that point. But you're telling me that just because they want to sell you something, they're not looking at other members that are actually acting in a fraudulent way within their platform. They do. They are basically, they saying, they're basically saying, you're throwing your money away with these people because you know, they're worthless. Right, and they say, give us your money instead. Yes, but they should still clean up their house. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. Okay. I'm just stating the, the case. Basically. All right. Well, I mean, there is a big problem and it's not being solved. I definitely, I mean, there's tons of articles and, and, and you just uh, Google or search for uh, fake influencers on Instagram, Instagram specifically. Um, there's tons of articles, but uh, I, I highly recommend the book uh, from Trey Radcliffe. And uh, I have no interest in or no partial commission or nothing on the book. I don't even know the guy. I read the book. It's very interesting. He states uh, very, very interesting facts, and uh, it's an eye-opener. I mean, it really is, and, I, and I've seen specific examples of agencies that promote all these influencers, and then sometimes you even look at them, and you're like, how could you possibly promote this person? I mean, I can even, I mean, without even doing any research, I can use any of the available tools and see that this guy is just a fake. Yeah, I mean, that, so, it's pretty easy to tell if they're not smart about it you can tell someone's fake but the problem is more what you're saying when they use very advanced tactics that exactly. make it look but this is real. major major advertisers i'm not talking about the small store that is trying to advertise the corner laundry you know this is major advertisers that are thinking that they're using influencers for their products and lifestyle and travel and this and that and they are actually not but because they go by the numbers, maybe that's what they want. They just want to prove to their bosses that, hey, we got 10,000 impressions and 20,000 engagements and this or that. The campaign was a success. In the meantime, they sold nothing. And that's when the reality comes, you know. All right, so let's... Um, Anyways, if you want to get 10,000 fake followers in three days, just email me <laughs> at... Uh, <laughs> at uh, email followers, fake whatever.com. Um, all right, no, we don't do that. Um, one final topic, I think... Um, very briefly, Slack. Um, what's I happening? I mean, you got to gotta cut them some Slack here. Gotta, yeah, cut you some Slack. But uh, they, they, there's a company that we kind of intrigued about. We, we don't use it at the office. We don't use it at, at uh, MGR. But 
David actually likes it. I don't think it's, it's a good fit for us at this time. I'm bullish on it. But only in the investment side? Or yeah, yeah. They? I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not an investor or anything. Oh, let's, let's explain first what they do briefly. I mean, I think most people know what Slack is. It's just basically a, it's a workplace chat app that kind of mixes different chat, like IRC from back in the day and other, other chat apps with email for internal workplace communication. It's just a better system for internal workplace communication. It's kind of filters how the, um, you have a typical office where you communicate internally with your coworkers or externally with clients and vendors and so forth, it kind of separates the internal communication from the external communication, cleaning up the clutter a little bit so you have a little bit of a two platform, so to speak. Um, but the problem is that, uh, I mean, as, as always happens, like we were talking about with Instagram and Facebook mm -hmm. copying TikTok, uh, Microsoft has basically came with Microsoft Teams. I mean, this isn't new, this happened probably two years ago, I think mm -hmm. now. Um, and they kind of copied Slack from what I, again, I don't use Microsoft Teams, so I don't know, but it's not as good from what I've seen. It's it's good, but it's it's not as good as Slack. Um, but the the key thing is, it comes with Microsoft Office, which right. is massively distributed. So mm -hmm. basically, now if you have Microsoft Office, you have Teams, and you have to pay extra for it. Slack, obviously, you have to pay extra for it. It's not part of any other system, any bundle. So that's a massive advantage. So even if Microsoft Teams isn't necessarily quite as good, has all the features that Slack has. They have has. some features that are actually better than Slack. One of the things that Slack is lacking um, is the uh, organization or sorting the uh, communication part. Like everything is kind of in a big bag. And uh, is uh, when you're looking for some kind of information, it's a little f difficult to, to, to sift through, the, uh, through all the what, information. And with Microsoft, you can do that. You can actually organize what Slack your folders. has that actually is a competitive advantage is that they have a lot of third-party apps that they basically allow anybody to go and create a third-party app for Slack. And they have a lot of really cool third-party apps that are basically smaller companies that are trying to benefit from Slack and saying, hey, add this app in and we'll do whatever feature. So I guarantee you there is a third-party Slack app that does exactly what you just asked for. Um, so that's the benefit that Slack has. Any feature that you need, there's probably a third-party app that you can just go and add to your Slack and you'll have it. Um, I just think that Slack, uh, the reason I'm, I'm kind of bullish on it is just because, one, I think Stuart Butterfield, the founder and CEO, is a phenomenal uh, operator. He founded Flickr, now he founded uh, Slack. It's very hard to have not one, but two major companies like that. Um, and I just think that feature-wise, as we discussed, really, if, if Microsoft comes with some really key feature, Slack can just copy it. It's not like a big deal. Just like Microsoft has copied all of Slack's features. Um, but I think Slack has definitely a better brand awareness than Microsoft Teams does. But Microsoft Teams has the distribution, so it's interesting. And I'm not saying that Microsoft Teams uh, won't be successful on its own, but I think that you can have multiple companies succeed. And I think that Slack will continue to succeed and grow. And I think Slack has the potential to uh, grow and expand into more areas besides just chat, which I think we will see them do. Do you think that Slack could be potentially be acquired or merged with a bigger whale out yeah. there? Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. So they, they, they are, already merged with, um, what's it called, um, HipChat. Mm -hmm. Which was one of the was one of the their biggest competitors, and they merged with them. So, 
I think that uh, what I think could be, and this is pure speculation, this is not, I have no idea, but Zoom just went public um, at a similar time to Slack. I think a killer move would be if Zoom and Slack merged because then you would have basically all business communication in one application. Um, I think that there's big potential for that. Now, I have no idea if that happens. Maybe they don't necessarily need to merge the companies. They could create some type of integration with each other that's seamless. Um, but I think Zoom has the best video conferencing and Slack has the best chat, but intra-company chat. And I think that those two companies could merge or Slack maybe could go into other areas of business communication that's just not chat. So that's why I think they have a lot of potential. I think that they're being underestimated in the public markets right now. I think okay. that them dropping 15% or whatever they did last week is ridiculous. Well, they did just because because of that, because of the, uh, the, the, the numbers were good for the past, but the projections for the future were not that great, especially with investors. And they make a ton of money. Kind of, money, of overreacting a little bit as far as the, uh, the Microsoft competition the, and all that stuff. So The thing but, is, they have huge margins, though. They're not profitable right now because they're trying to grow, but if they just wanted to cash well, in on those of margins, software companies, yeah, they, they, they have, have huge margins. They do, so. they do. That's why I think when the Companies healthy, grows, has uh, a good, um, solid uh, intellectual property. I think they are more um, more of a target for a possible merger acquisition and things like that. But right now, there's no rumors or anything. That was just my own um, uh, question, speculation. So we'll just let it go. And with that, we, uh, we'll wrap this up for today. Uh, any other uh, comments, David, from you? No, I think I talked probably plenty for the okay. day <laughs> all right yeah that's plenty um we'll be uh posting all the show notes um at the same time we edit this which will be probably later this afternoon it should be up by friday morning or friday afternoon and um until then everybody have a great week and weekend thank you bye-bye